You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. This episode is brought to you by Palo Alto Networks, the leader in cybersecurity. As AI-driven attacks increase, organizations can't afford to have network security that's stuck in the past. Discover how Palo Alto Networks can help you predict what's coming and proactively secure against it with a zero-trust, AI-powered network security platform built to secure whatever, whenever, wherever. To learn more, visit paloaltonetworks.com slash network security platform. When it comes to ensuring your company has top-notch security practices, things can get complicated and time-consuming fast. Now you can assess risk, secure the trust of your customers, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more with a single platform, Vanta. Vanta's leading trust management platform helps you continuously monitor compliance alongside reporting and tracking risk. Plus, save time by completing security questionnaires with Vanta AI. Learn why thousands of global companies use Vanta to automate evidence collection, unify risk management, and streamline security reviews. Watch Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot cyber. The alleged Discord Papers leaker has been charged. We look at how the papers spread online. A life lived online as a security risk. U.S. tax season scams at the 11th filing hour. Ayla Barlow from Silite on the layoffs and security that many thought would never happen. Maria Vermasis and Brandon Karp share the launch of the new space podcast, T-Minus. And Killnet says it's open for business. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Monday, April 17th, 2023. The alleged Discord Papers leaker has been charged. Jack Teixeira appeared Friday in federal court in Boston to face charges under the Espionage Act. The AP reports that he's accused of two counts of unauthorized retention and transmission of classified national defense information. He did not enter a plea, but a federal magistrate judge ordered him jailed until a detention hearing next week. The motivation of the alleged leaker was, by all accounts, not ideological, but simply a desire to show off in the disinhibited online world. Mr. Teixeira was evidently a leader and influencer within his small discord circle, and the Washington Post cites a friend of Mr. Teixeira's who knew something of his online followers as explaining his alleged motive, stating, as wanting to share and show off the secrets he knew to a small circle of online friends who bonded over video games. 
Foreign Policy has a reflective essay on the role social media have come to play in espionage. The authors, Jonathan Asconis, assistant professor of politics at the Catholic University of America, and René Derestra, a technical research manager at the Stanford Internet Observatory, describe the mindset of a leaker, stating, The likely motivations of the leaker are impossible to understand without digging into the deepest layers of Internet culture— This leak is not a strange one-off, but a harbinger of a future where secret statecraft meets an online world, in which, for many people, the virtual is replacing the physical as a source of companionship, camaraderie, and social clout. This online world is fast replacing traditional espionage as a source of intelligence leaks, a shift that has profound implications for the future of spycraft, especially counterintelligence. Online relationships can combine both a much-sought intimacy and a sense of safety, of being at least one layer away from the direct risks of personal contact. That sense of safety is, of course, misplaced, but it comes very easily. And the transactional nature of online relationships, which amount to a gift economy, also tempts people to share secrets better left unshared. Asconis and Deresta write, Internet communities operate as gift economies where one's status is largely determined by the valuable content one brings to the community, spicy memes, obscure videos, interesting links, or secrets. Any organization considering insider risk might take the picture the essay offers to heart. Many of the online communities people find so engrossing, like those hosted by Discord itself, are formed of gamers— and this hasn't gone unnoticed by military and intelligence services themselves. The U.S. Department of Defense has sought to use Discord as a recruiting resource, for example, the Washington Post reports, much as earlier recruiting campaigns had used television ads and high school visits to connect with potential recruits. And hostile intelligence services haven't been a slow study either. Games Industry quotes Microsoft President Brad Smith is commenting that the company's researchers have observed Russian services spending more time and effort to penetrate, compromise, and manipulate online gaming communities for traditional espionage and influence operations. The Discord papers apparently spread with the help of another online fantasist, the self-styled Donbass Djevushka, a Donbass girl, who claimed to be from Luhansk. In some persona, she gave her first name as Mila, but in fact, according to the Wall Street Journal, is allegedly one Sarah Bills, a 37-year-old from Voorhees, New Jersey, a U.S. Navy veteran who now lives in the Pacific Northwest. Donbass Djevushka has for some time blogged and podcast pro-Russian memes and topics. The podcasts are said to have been delivered in an implausible Ensign Chekhov-style Russian accent. She collected and reposted much of the stuff that was circulating in the Thug Shaker Central Discord channel. Her motives appear to be the increasingly familiar desire for influence and place in the online social world. So, fellow Americans, did you file your income tax returns two days ago on April 15th? Haha, <laughs> just kidding. That wasn't the deadline this year. Tuesday, April 18th, is the day on which U.S. income tax returns are due this year, the traditional April 15th deadline for filing, falling as it did on a weekend, and Emancipation Day's observance on Monday, 
pushed the filing deadline back an additional day. Tax season is usually an occasion for a wide range of fraud, combining, as it does, fear and greed, emotions that tend to cloud the judgment and render people vulnerable to scams. This year, a number of such scams, however, have been targeted at victims who normally have greater detachment than the harried and baffled taxpayers themselves. Sophos researchers report that criminals on the eve of the U.S. tax filing deadline are conducting spearfishing campaigns against tax professionals themselves. Sophos writes, Financial accountant firms and CPAs are in the crosshairs this tax season as a threat actor is targeting that industry with an attack that combines social engineering with a novel exploit against Windows computers to deliver malware called GooLoader. GooLoader is an unusually evasive shellcode-based downloader that can be used to infect compromised victims with follow-on attacks. The use of password-protected zip files has been noticed for over a month. Securonix began publishing research into this particular threat as early as March when they identified a campaign of hyper-targeted phishing emails they tracked as Tactical Octopus. The bundling of the malicious fishhook in a password-protected zip file has proceeded in distinct stages. After the criminals initiate contact, they induce an initial infection, a PowerShell one-liner command that downloads the Visual Basic file. The next phase is VBS file execution, which in turn enables PowerShell execution, at which point they've achieved access to the victim's system. It's a clever campaign. Securonix says that attribution is ambiguous, but that circumstantial evidence points to a Russian threat actor. They say, Two of three IP addresses identified in the attack were registered to Petersburg Internet Network Limited in the Russian Federation. This could indicate Russian origins. However, the possibility of false flag operations cannot be ruled out at this point. According to Microsoft, in most cases, the scammers are installing the Remcos Remote Access Trojan, Remcos, developed in 2016 and in malicious use since shortly after its introduction, enables the attacker to gain administrative privileges in Windows systems. Microsoft writes, Successful delivery of a Remcos payload could provide an attacker the opportunity to take control of the target device to steal information and or move laterally through the target network. So spare a thought for your local tax professional. They work under challenging circumstances, and by that we mean a lot more than the challenges of reading all those sales slips you give them for professional expenses and all those oddball handwritten notes for charitable contributions. And to return to online activity in Russia's hybrid war, we close with a bit of news about Kilnet, the Russian hacktivist auxiliary. An advertisement on Kilnet's Telegram channel is offering gigabytes of NATO documents. The ones they show are training PowerPoint presentations at the lowest classification. They want three Bitcoin for the documents, which at yesterday's exchange rates, about $91,000. That's almost what a newly promoted U.S. Air Force colonel makes in a year's base pay. Apparently, the leaks aren't selling at that price, so Killnet has knocked down its ask and repackaged its merchandise. But caveat emptor, friend, think about it, it's training, PowerPoint, slides. But as Killnet might say, hop to it, world, or not. We'll pass. 
Coming up after the break, Caleb Barlow from Silite on the layoffs in security that many thought would never happen. Maria Vermasis and Brandon Karp share the launch of the new space podcast, E Minus. Stay with us. In the complex world of enterprise identity, securing legacy web apps at scale can be daunting. Strata Identity makes it simple. With Strata, you can effortlessly integrate non-standard apps with any identity service, like MFA or SSO, with zero coding and zero hassle. Designed by identity architects for identity architects, Strata works with every vendor, standard and app architecture. This means your apps can now speak modern protocols and integrate seamlessly with your chosen identity services. From securing on-prem web apps to migrating away from outdated identity providers or consolidating them, Strata helps you keep your complex access policies as you modernize your identity infrastructure and get rid of technical debt. Join leading organizations like 3M, Dallas County, and CIBC in securing your apps with Strata. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity security priorities, and receive a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. And it is my pleasure to welcome to the show a couple of members of the CyberWire team, or perhaps I should say the N2K Networks team. Maria Vermatsis is our space correspondent, and Brandon Karp is the executive director of our new markets. Uh, Maria, we have some exciting news to share here with our CyberWire listeners who are familiar with you from being our space correspondent, but uh, you're branching out on your own here now. I am. I'm striking out into uh, the final frontier. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, tell us about the show. Yeah, I am now, I'm the new host of our new show called T-Minus, the daily space podcast for space professionals. Well, let's dig into some of the details here. I mean, why this show uh, and why now? Well, we are in what's often called the new space era. So if uh, our listeners are familiar with all the satellites going up into space, courtesy of folks like SpaceX, We've got so much going on in the space industry, thousands of new satellites, lots of development happening across commercial sectors and government sectors and the military, lots of uh, incredible developments happening and happening extremely quickly. So we thought that it was time for us to help the professionals out there who are working in this field, whether they're private or public sector, and give them the daily news that they need to stay on top of the very fast changing developments in their world. And that's exactly what we're doing with T-minus. And Brandon, can we speak to the uh, the launch of this podcast from the bigger picture, where it fits into N2K Networks? Yeah, sure. So this has always really been the plan for our larger company, which is to find these inter- industries that, are, that have a professionalized workforce, you know, a, a, a set of people who work in the industry who they're not lawyers, they're cybersecurity lawyers, they're not CEOs, they're cybersecurity CEOs. Uh, and find that industry that is characterized by having a workforce that needs to stay in the know and stay up to speed with a rapidly and l- relentlessly changing information environment. 
Um, and what we find in the space industry is it, it's, it's exactly that. It has a professionalized workforce. They have engineers, CEOs, policy people and lawyers, um, accountants and marketing folks, all who are focused on this industry, which is, as Maria said, the new space era. And at the same time, you see tremendous investments thousands of companies coming online, a rapidly changing technology ecosystem that's really hard to stay on top of. And what we're doing at N2K Networks is we're focusing on those industries characterized by those two dynamics. And we're breaking it down just to make it easier to stay in the know and delivering you as that professional the information you need to know every single day uh, to stay on top of things and to continue to develop as a professional in that field. So that's our focus at N2K Networks more broadly. And here we are doing this uh, for the first new industry since cyber, which is the space industry. Maria, I, I know uh, lots of our listeners are familiar with uh, you from your appearances on our show, also on Smashing Security in the cyber realm. Can you give us a little bit of uh, information on your background when it comes to space? <laughs> Mainly an enthusiast, to be honest with you. I wanted to be an astronomer growing up, so I studied a lot of the physics, uh, the, the very basic physics for astronomy, went to engineering school. Uh, some people know my story. I did two years of that and then left after a while. Um, but basically, cybersecurity has been my focus for a good while. So I am pivoting into space, and I'm, I'm very upfront about that. I'm, I'm new, and I'm learning about the space industry as I go, and I'm hoping to take listeners on that journey with me. Now, I've been doing this for a couple of months now. Uh, actually, more like half a year now, come to think of it. So I'm not completely green, uh, <laughs> but I, it's it's been an uh, amazing journey of, of learning for me. And uh, I've got to say, folks in the space industry are extremely generous with what they are happy to share. And that way, it actually reminds me of the cybersecurity industry. People are really happy to share their expertise and just, they're like, they're like, hey, you were interested in this? I'll teach you all about it. Come on in and I'll show you the ropes. So um, it's been fantastic. And there's actually a lot of cybersecurity overlap in the space industry, which has been awesome. So that's been a kind of nice on-ramp for me as well. Well, and Brandon, that was going to be my next question for you is, is can we expect to see some synergy between these two efforts, the, the cyber and, and space, as Maria says, certainly a lot of crossover there. Most definitely. Uh, these are two very close industries. When you think about the space architecture and the technology, everything is connected through the radio frequency. Everything has communication protocols. Uh, there's encryption considerations. You have the space segment, the things in orbit that have security considerations, software and hardware. You have the ground segment, uh, the, the, the systems on the ground receiving uh, communications and, and transmitting uh, communications that have security considerations. And then you have the link segment in between the two, again, thinking about the, a whole host of cybersecurity topics. So cybersecurity is definitely going to be a topic that we cover regularly, especially considering where we come from um, as N2K networks and born from CyberWire. Uh, so that's definitely one of the core topics that we will cover uh, regularly. And then there will be more. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll be discussing satellite technology, launch services, human space flight, military space, business and investing, and a lot more. Um, so we're covering the entire industry uh, as well, but it's a fascinating technical space. Well, as a, an amateur lifetime space nerd myself, I, I'm excited for the launch of this show. Uh, it's called T-Minus. Maria, where's the best place for folks to find it? Any place where fine podcasts are purveyed. So if you're a Spotify or Apple fan, it's fine. We're there too. Uh, so we're everywhere. So just look for us, T-Minus Space Daily, and you'll find us. 
All right. Maria Vermatsis is the host of T-Minus, a new podcast from N2K Networks. And Brandon Karp is executive director of New Markets for N2K Networks. Thanks so much, both of you, for joining us. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Caleb Barlow. He is the founder and CEO at Silite. Uh, Caleb, it is great to have you back. Uh, we are seeing something right now that I think uh, many of us wondered if we would ever see in cybersecurity, and that's uh, broad layoffs. Uh, many of the, the big companies, well, I'd say companies big and small, are cutting back on staffing. What's your perspective here? Well, I, I mean, hey, folks. We're, we're not all that special anymore. We're in with everybody else. And guess what? The economy is slowing down and we're seeing security professionals laid off really in mass numbers for the first time. So let's talk a little bit about if this happens to you. And by the way, it can happen to anybody. I mean, yeah. if you're in your career long enough, I've had to lay plenty of people off and I've been laid off before. It's Let's first acknowledge the first thing. It sucks. But yeah. Now that it's happened, let's muscle up and let's get through it. And, you know, I think the first piece of advice here is try to spend a couple of days and only a couple of days understanding why. You know, what is it that maybe about you or about your job or about what you were doing put you in that target zone just so it doesn't happen again? And, and you're probably not going to get that feedback from your immediate manager because, well, you know, they have to be very cautious about what they say once they leave somebody off because obviously they're worried about legal uh, repercussions. But reach out to your peers, reach out to your colleagues. You know, maybe there's some learning moments there either for you or in your job search for what types of jobs or functions you want to do or what types of companies you want to work for in the future. Is it worth noting that sometimes, especially when you have big numbers like this, that there always isn't a rational why? Sometimes you just get caught up in the numbers. Hundred percent, and you know, again, this can happen to anybody, and even when it's performance related, like I'll tell you, some of the best people I have ever hired have had horrible performance at other companies. You know, sometimes it's just the right person cast in the wrong role, mm. and that's okay. The important thing is, can you acknowledge that? Can you kind of learn from that? And mm -hmm. make sure you don't get in that situation again. Um, I see. The other thing that's really key here is mental health matters. And this is not going to be an easy journey. Um, it's going to be hard. It's going to take a while. And you've got to prioritize your mental health and what that means to you through the journey, right? It doesn't mean you spend 40 hours a week looking for a job. You know, you've got to give a little bit of time to yourself in this and frankly, leverage some of that downtime to recharge. Otherwise, you're just not going to end up in a good place. I think part of the surprise here is that for years now, we've been saying there aren't enough people in cybersecurity. We're never going to catch up. And so I think it's a little bit of a punch to the gut for a lot of folks to see that the people have been saying that for all these years, no, layoffs can hit anybody. Well, layoffs can hit anybody. I, I do think the positive way to look at this is the odds of you finding a new job, finding potentially even a better job, are very high relative to other careers or other pursuits. So, 
you know, this isn't really so much that the industry is taking a hit, although the, you know, aggregate number of open jobs has dropped. I think this is more of an issue of there are a lot of companies that were growth oriented, that got over their skis. And now, whether it's venture capital, private equity, or public companies, the expectation now is people are moving towards profitability. And sometimes that means, hey, we really overstaffed or we're overspending. And, and to be blunt, there are also cases, particularly in the cybersecurity industry, where people have been spending lots of money on really dumb things that don't necessarily move the needle. And th- that heyday is over, right? So that's the other aspect of this. Now, hmm. I, I think one of the other big things to really recognize in this, and this is particularly true on LinkedIn, but you're going to see this in other job boards as well, is that these you know, just like a, you know, we all heard about how particularly, you know, teenage girls were getting hit hard with kind of body shaming issues on Instagram and other social media sites during the pandemic, right? right? And this became an issue for mental health. The same thing can happen when you're job seeking, you know, kind of that job shaming, if you will. A, a lot of what you're going to see out there are kind of the bro shots of people out at the, you know, the golf course with their buddies or- right. You know, or standing next to uh, you know some notable in the cybersecurity field or a government official or whatever, you're also going to see what gets amplified on these sites is highly biased, right? And you know, it's biased towards you know. Remember, recruiters are looking for certain demographics, marketers are looking to push certain demographics, so these things naturally get repeated and amplified, right? So depending on where you fit in that, you may find, hey, I just don't seem to get a whole lot of traction. It's not you. Recognize these sites are biased. That's okay. I mean, that's just where you're going to have to operate. But you know, you, you've got to be cognizant of it enough because again, if you look at your own value as how many shares you get or how many people are looking at what you post, that can get really depressing really quick. And it's just not the case. Yeah. I mean, there's that old saying about, uh, be careful not to compare your own behind the scenes with someone else's highlights reel. Exactly. Right. And, and you know, I, I mean, to, to put the, a more pointed tip on this, right. We're an industry that is desperately looking to bring more women into the cybersecurity field. And that's fantastic. Yeah. But what that means is that posts from, let's say a technical female in the cybersecurity field are going to get significantly amplified. You know, on the other hand of this, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, we often look at people of Russian or Chinese descent as the enemy. So, you know, you might be a U.S. citizen that just happens to have a Russian sounding name. It's going to be really difficult to get that kind of amplification on these sites because it's security professionals that are looking at it. Again, it sucks. It's unfortunate, it's bias, but it, be aware of it. And there are lots of ways to kind of work around it and, and, you know, be knowledgeable of it and be cognizant of it. Yeah. What are your recommendations then here, given that this is our, our new reality? What, what do you think? Well, first of all, again, mental health matters a lot. Uh, recognize that a lot of job posts are bogus and excessively filtered. So, you know, it isn't so much about getting out there and applying to a gazillion jobs as it is leveraging your network. You know, get on the phone, talk to everybody you know, because they may find out about a job opening that you might be perfect for a month down the road. You know, you should be prioritizing talking to people 
versus posting and applying on job sites. Not that you don't want to do those other things. The other thing is don't be afraid of doing some free work. You know, if you find about somebody starting a company or doing something, and maybe you have a skill that can help them out, dive in a bit. You know, you've got the time. Or for Mm. that matter, even send an unsolicited proposal to someone on how you think you could improve what they're doing. Maybe you're a marketer and you've got an idea for a campaign that would be perfect for a company. Drop the CEO an email. Prioritize person-to-person communications. And I don't think you'd be laid off for long. All right. Well, good insights as always. Caleb Barlow, thanks for joining us. And that's The Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. Don't forget to check out the Grumpy Old Geeks podcast, where I contribute to a regular segment called The Dark Side with Dave. I join Jason and Brian on their show for a lively discussion of the latest security news every week. You can find Grumpy Old Geeks where all the fine podcasts are listed. The Cyberwire podcast is a production of N2K Networks, proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. This episode was produced by Liz Urban and senior producer Jennifer Iben. Our mixer is Trey Hester, with original music by Elliot Peltzman. The show was written by John Petrick. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. Vanta gives you one place to centralize and scale your security program, quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for ISO 27001, SOC 2, and more. You can leverage Vanta's market-leading trust management platform to unify risk management and secure the trust of your customers. Plus, use Vanta AI to save time when completing security questionnaires. CyberWire daily listeners can get $1,000 off by going to vanta.com slash cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash cyber. Cyber.